Boom. Well, good. Nope, not good morning. Good afternoon. Are you technically allowed to say good afternoon after 12, like 1201? Well, good afternoon to you. Wonderful. Hey, listen, uh, I have um, what I believe is a word for this season of Legacy Church and also individually. I really do think you're going to identify with what uh, God has to say this morning. And um, yeah, let's pray. Actually, let's, uh, you know, let's pray. Let's do that. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your faithfulness. God, we honor you with our offering. We honor you with what we give to you, Jesus, because you first gave back. You first gave to us. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we honor you. We love you. We thank you. Father, help us to see Jesus more clearly. And uh, thanks for allowing us to, to receive from you. Incredible. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, I have a story for you. Let's see how much we got. All right. Um, so, okay. I am, as you can see, a brown person, right? I, uh, I, I've been the victim of uh, many like people speaking in either Farsi or uh, some European language or even like, especially the Middle Eastern folks. They come at me and they're just like, you know, telling me whatever, you know, you look great, you look handsome, whatever they say to me. Um, <laughs> it's pro- that's probably right. I mean, I don't know, really. Uh, who's to know, really? So the, anyway, they, uh, that sounded so, ar- that's not the first thing I wanted to come out of my mouth. I'm so sorry and apologize. Let me start over. They say, hey, uh, gentlemen, can you show me the restroom? You know, whatever they say in their own language. I'm glad I can withdraw anything I say publicly. Um, so anyway, I, I've, uh, I've been confused for, uh, you know, some Middle Eastern, uh, some European, some Indian, or whatever that looks like. And because I've been raised Latino, Hispanic, my mom is from Mexico, my dad's from Peru, I was raised playing soccer my life, in my entire life. Uh, these legs are uh, not strong because I go to the gym, but because I played soccer since out of the womb. And uh, my dad played professionally, and so like that was what was... That was the, the vibe in, in our entire... We have grace for vomiting babies. It's all good. Jesus. Um, and so what happened was that I, uh, I was playing and, um, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I felt like I was decently good. Uh, my, not nowhere near my dad's caliber, but I was decently good. I played in high school, played varsity, played in clubs, travel, and that whole nine. And then uh, I decided... Before I started like doing the whole travel thing, and while I was in club, I was like, I'm good at soccer. I'm going to give baseball a try. And uh, how many of you guys know that sometimes the grace you have somewhere isn't the same grace you have for another, right? And so I'm, you know, here I am in junior high, and I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I'm going to try for baseball. I'm going to give it a shot. And so baseball tryouts are like, you know, coming up, and, and I, I forget, and I finally make my way to this tryout. And the funny thing is, I didn't, you know, soccer doesn't take much to, uh, to play. All you need is like either an actual ball or an empty water bottle. Like you can play soccer however you want. This is the reason why they played in India and Africa and everywhere, all Latin America, Central America. This is the reason. However, baseball, not the same. You know, you have a full getup. You have a bat. You have a helmet. You have a glove. 
cleats. It's the it's it's just a whole thing. Anyway, so figure this out. I am going to this tryout, and I come up. I go to my garage. I remember looking at my garage and figuring like, what can I bring to this thing? And I remember I had a thrifted like baseball jersey tee or baseball jersey you know button up, and I'm like, I'm in on this. I can do this. And I grab my cleats, my soccer cleats. I don't have any baseball cleats, you know, they're a little bit different. And I wear my, my soccer socks, and, and uh, I was wearing tights at the time when they weren't cool. You know, now they're kind of, like, men can run in tights now, like, because that's cool, right? Um, it wasn't then. Um, and so I was wearing shorts, and I was just ready to roll. And the one thing I remember is I had this bat that I didn't at the time know was, like, one of those peewee bats. And I was showing up for, like, you know, like an actual... I don't know, whatever. It was, it was real, and to me, it was real, and they rejected my bat. No, just kidding. No, but I had this bat, and it was a smaller, you know, like peewee-sized bat. Didn't recognize it until I got to the tryout, and then I safely put it away so no one can see. Uh, I had my glove, and uh, to my dismay, I, it was actually, I didn't know at the time, it was a toy glove, like one of those really plastic ones, not the leather ones. The ones you buy, like, at, you know, Target, not like Big Five or Dicks or whatever's out there. Um, so I had that, and then um, so I was, you know, relatively unprepared. So anyway, I show up to this this tryout, and I'm like, let's do this thing. And I remember the coach said, hey, line up. So we're all lined up. Everyone seemed to know because you know, in, in junior high, you're already like establishing like your sports thing, and so everyone knew like the whole regimen. They knew what was going on. I was just like, oh, we're lining up. Awesome. Some there lined up. And, uh, and I remember the coach saying, he's like, I, I remember you guys, I remember I told you guys to review the pack. And I said, if you guys don't have jock straps, like cups, you're not playing. Like, and I won't take you on my team because one of the core values of our you know, squad is for you to like be on time, be like listen up to all the rules and all that other stuff. We're in junior high. I don't know why this guy thought it was like the military, but whatever. So I'm sitting there and I remember what proceeded to happen was uh, comedic at best, or at minimum. And so he, uh, we were all lined up, you know, shoulder to shoulder. And I remember the coach was like, all right. And the way you, this is brand new to me, the way that you tested someone having a cup is you grab the out the back of the the handle part of the bat and tap it's cup check and so like this is this is how it happened this is how how it happened here so i remember him like going by i, I was like kind of like in the middle to the left and he was going by And I remember, this was a private Christian school. As I'm replaying this in my head, I'm like, that doesn't sound like this the way it should be. Um, I wonder if I'm liable for damages. Um, and so I remember right when I remember hearing it, getting closer, getting louder. You know? And then all of a sudden, he got right to me, and I'm like, all right, coach, 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 coach. I like... I, I forgot, I didn't have the packet, I just came here, and I, like, I promise I'll get it. He's like, nope. He's like, you're out. And I remember, like, leaving that tryout, and I'm like, dang it. You know, I was so unprepared, and anyway, it was hilarious, and it was a bummer, and I was like, man, it sucks to go into a new season, or it sucks to go into something that you want to do completely unprepared. Yeah. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And here's why this makes sense. I actually feel like legacy is in the verge 
of a brand new season, of something new. And I don't mean to say if you're coming to church or you're out of church, or it's your first time, the last time, it doesn't matter. Like, I actually mean, if you're in this building, I think that corporately God is doing something that is actually going to impact us collectively. And this, is, and this is it. I believe God is building a home. And I'm going to unpack that in just a second by reading scripture. But I really do believe that God is building a home that the foundations have been laid in which we are all play a part through faith to build this home that not only is, is being built for you, but is built for generations that are coming after you and also the house that God wants to live in himself. Is that all right? So we're going to read the scripture. Uh, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2, chapter 9, sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 19 to 22. And we're going to get going. Is that all right? I'm excited. Do we hear pray already? Yeah, we did. That kind of morning or afternoon. Here we go. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is, not, is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple which God is quite at home. I almost feel like praying again because that verse is incredible. How many of you guys, I, my favorite thing, and I'm going to highlight this in the next 20 minutes or so, is uh, the, the part where it says that God is building a home where faith is your home country. The title of this message is called Faith, Our Home Country. And I actually feel um, on behalf of the Lord to actually speak on this next season because where we're going and where you're going individually, I feel is a place where faith is absolutely key and absolutely necessary. And we're going to dive into how it actually pleases God ultimately. Um, but when, when thinking about this, so this Monday, I, uh, we were here in staff meeting, and we were talking about, uh, you know, what we feel, what's going to happen. And then Pastor Lyle talked about, I feel like there's, this is a season of focus and this is a season of intentionality. Um, and, and we were talking about how we really feel like there's something special coming up this next season where it's going to take a whole lot of us to give a whole lot. Um, and, and I know, you know, it, again, and I want to make this, I won't make that dis disclaimer because maybe you, maybe you're part of this house and you're just like, man, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't even need to be told that it doesn't apply to me or whatever. I feel like if you're in this room, it applies to you. Ready? Um, Anyway, so listen, Abraham was called the father of the faith. Immediately when I read this verse, I immediately thought what stuck out is faith is your home country. So I immediately thought faith. And I was brought to Abraham and I felt like God began to unpack the story of Abraham for me just little by little. And what I understood, Abraham was 100 years old. How many of you guys can picture yourselves 100 years old? Very, very old CrossFit. Exactly. And so Abraham is 100 years old. The Bible says Sarah, his wife, is also old in age. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that God called Abraham to come out of his tent, 
at 100 years old, Abraham had been roaming the wilderness for 100 years. He steps out of his tent and God says, look up at the stars, something that he'd been significantly familiar with, very familiar. And so he looks up at the stars and says, can you count them? And Abraham says, you know, no, right? But God says, this is how much, this is how I'm going to bless you. And this is the, the amount of descendants that I'm going to give you. And so Abraham was then moved by God. The Bible says that Abraham believed at God's word and it was credited to him. Now, this may sound like super basic, but I want to unpack this for just a second. The Bible said it was credited to him and it's kind of like a bank term here. How I want to do this is listen. So from the, from the dawn of time, Adam and, Adam and Eve, the story of God, what ended up happening was Adam and Eve, we all know, sinned, correct? Yep. Sin entered the world, pain, death, etc. What moved on to Noah and finally Abraham, right? So there was a curse in the earth, there was sin in the earth, and here we have Abraham who is a person that God says became his friend. And what happened is that when Abraham actually stepped out of his tent and actually chose to believe God, what happened was that it was credited to him a uh, righteousness. Now, I'm going to, I'll break this down. Jesus, coming after the beginning of, of, of time, right? Sorry, af- after Adam and Eve sinned and curse was on the earth, Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects, and now the curse has been broken. All of this stuff, death, disorder, destruction, madness, chaos, all that's gone. Amen? Through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And then after that, everything that came after this was all righteousness to us. We then became righteous because of God. Correct? Not because of our own works, but because of his. So we all became righteous. And so what was planned for this generation post-Jesus, which was righteousness, ended up, God, not removed it, but picked it up and then dropped it off on Abraham's lap. So the gift of righteousness was only supposed to come after the death of Jesus. You get that? What God did was pick it up and then drop it off on Abraham's lap. And Abraham, the Bible says it was credited to him. It's almost like it was taken out of an account of a future generation, and then God dropped it off in his in the Old Testament. So God actually gave something that belonged for a way future date to us, to this generation, and actually dropped it off in someone in the Old Testament who, who didn't even know God to the degree that we do because of the Holy Spirit and dropped it off and said, it's counted to you as righteousness because you've believed me at my word. And so when I'm, when I'm reading this scripture about God wanting to build a home and it doesn't matter where you came from, he brought all the vagabonds and all the exiles and all the outsiders, brought them in and is building a home in which faith is the home country. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, okay, father of the faith is Abraham. What can we learn from Abraham that can help us build this house today? Does that make sense? God, since the beginning, has been building a home for himself and his people. Beginning with Adam and Eve, God has built a home. But sin came in the world. A home that is built by faith. Faith pleases him and makes us more like him. Now, here's the the thing. There is two reasons why faith is incredibly important in the Christian life. Two reasons. One, 
It makes us more like God. How many of you guys know that God is not uh, slightly in, un, not confident in himself? How many of you guys know that when God said, let there be light, he wasn't like, man, I really hope that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like God has said, let there be light. And he was fully confident in himself. And then boom, light became, like light became and full on whatever, how, what, whatever happened after that, we all, we all know as history. So when we act in faith, as we speak in faith, we become more like God. And in, this, in the second aspect of that, of, of, again, there's multiple reasons why faith is incredible, but in these two reasons I want to highlight is also, number one, we become more like God, and two, it pleases the heart of the Father. Yeah. 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 The functionality of faith is multifaceted. It's how things happen in the kingdom, and it also makes us more like him. Listen, faith is also the DNA of heaven. DNA is what makes us common. When we walk, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address you a little bit more direct now, if that's okay. Is that all right? All of us are walking in this journey of faith. All of us. God wants to do something incredibly special on the earth. I was sitting back there, and um, I felt like God wanted me to talk about unbelief for a second. Because unbelief is actually the counter opposite, is the antithesis, the antichrist version of faith. Yeah. It's, it's actually belief not in God, but in other things, in another God. Yeah. And so, here's the thing about unbelief it has its own ability to perform itself. So, when we choose to unbelieve, like when we're not like, ah, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's gonna, that's gonna happen. What ends up happening, is the very same thing that you actually believe because since you didn't create the space for it to actually happen, unbelief created the pathway for whatever was going to happen to actually happen. Vice versa, when, actually, when faith happens, you actually decree something and there's power in the word, you actually believe something, then you actually create the landing strip for something supernatural to actually happen. And so the funny thing is that a lot of people who claim to be, um, again, I apologize if I'm talking to you, but a lot of people claim to be realists. And in realism, sometimes, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, but then I'm going to let it sit there for just a second, if that's okay. Unbelief disguises itself as realism. Fear disguises itself as wisdom. So it's like sometimes we're always here, like we're over here living our life, never living a normal life, whatever. I just moved to, to Nashville and, or whatever your vibe might be, whatever your situation is. And, and here you are like, well, I'm going to just be real about this whole situation. You know, that might not happen or I might have to abandon this dream or I might have to do this and whatever your case might be. But did you know, unbelief, you know, being real, there's a fine line between real being real and real being unbelief. And unbelief is actually a demonic spirit that comes to invade and try to destroy dream. The moment you actually submit, here's the thing. You can question the future. You can question a couple things. 
Like, and, and question, I think, is perfect because it's, it's, it can actually lead you to a place of significant more, significantly more depth and actually closer intimacy. However, there is a seed of questioning that is actually based in its own desire to fulfill itself. Does that make sense? Questioning in, 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 the, uh, in the field of unbelief will actually, sorry, I will break this down differently. When you question, there is an actual, like an, act, an actual pathway that can actually lead from questioning to, huh, maybe like to realism to full-blown unbelief. And unbelief, when you've submitted yourself under unbelief, that's when it becomes a little bit demonic. If I can allow myself to, to just throw it out there for you. I believe God is calling us in this next season and in whatever season you find yourself to dream and dream in faith. And I know that sounds super, super basic, but I actually feel like there is a space opening, if I can put it that way, a portal, you know, or whatever, a season in which God is asking us to dream big. Which is hilarious because the first or second time I spoke here, I was thinking about, there was, I, was spoke, I spoke about dreams uh, and the, the fact that not, no, don't necessarily put those to the side, but allow yourself to be present. And in the present, God will actually lead you to those dreams. But I actually feel the juxtaposition or the paradox of that, and which is the gospel in itself, is go and dream huge. Like there is, I feel like there is a grace to actually expand our territory, expand what we think is possible because God needs the real estate in your heart. Like there are a lot of us that are walking our daily life with a whole lot of maybe questioning slash doubt slash when it's full-blown unbelief that are actually like, it actually is the enemy that is trying to like subvert the plans and the purposes of God for your life. If, if I can do anything this morning, it's for you to examine what part of your life is under the scrutiny and the, and the governing of unbelief. And I want to switch you over from this account to this one, which is dreams and faith. There's something incredibly special about, and again, I want you to take this with a grain of salt, but there's something specific about these next couple months that I really do feel like God is opening up an invitation for you to be like, hey, I want you to go deep and dream. If that's all right. All of us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, I'm actually going to close here because we're at 1230. The Bible says that um, no matter our circumstance, no matter our surrounding, no matter our environment, God brings you in, whether you're an exile or a vagabond or or you consider yourself outside of the church box or outside of the Christian faith or whatever, he'll bring you in and make you part of a family, make you part of a home. In Ephesians chapter two, it says, there is no such thing as outsider. There is like, he, he will bring you in and he's building a home no matter your background. All of us are walking in this journey of faith continually. And what ties us together is not our background. 
It's not our race or ethnicity. It's not our, how much money we have in the bank. It's not anything else besides one thing. It's a journey of faith. Picture this. When we're walking in faith, there is a whole lot of vulnerability. A ton. How many of you guys know some of us are walking this journey where we have a promise from God or we have something in our lives where we're like, we want to reach this. And some of us have been waiting for nine months or some of us have been waiting for nine years. And some of us are a whole lot more heavy burdened or maybe we're walking a path that is a little bit more tiring than others or however that looks like for you. Maybe God has promised something to you or maybe... Maybe you feel something in your heart that God is prodding you to do and you're not seeing it just yet. Or you're in a season of a valley or however you want to put that. But in this season, someone else might not be walking the same thing as you, but someone else is walking the walk of faith. Someone. Some of us might be waiting for that dream job that hasn't happened yet. Some of us are waiting for, you know, We wanted something to happen in our lives, but then, you know, life happened, kids or whatever. Or, or we just had recent stories of people who were waiting for babies and all of a sudden God shows up in miraculous ways and boom, babies. You know, like, so you might have not been waiting for nine months or you might be waiting for a day or it's been maybe 20 years of you're waiting for something to happen, something to change, something, something you're expecting. And a lot of that, it causes a lot of vulnerability. Like you're like, how many of you guys know you're walking? You're just like, man, I've been waiting for this thing for a while. And a lot of times what the enemy likes to do is isolate you and actually feel like you're the only one on that journey. And so someone might not be walking that exact same journey as you, but alongside you with someone else who maybe hasn't been waiting for a baby, but maybe someone's been waiting for that dream job or someone's been waiting for that opportunity to just feel alive. Or maybe someone's been waiting for a family member to be saved. The funny thing is like, we're all different. In here, we have different races, different ethnicities, different financing, like financial uh, scenarios. But what stitches us together and what God is building, number one, is family. He's building a home. Who lives in a, who lives in a home? It's family. But in, the, in, in that family, there are so many people walking so many different things. And again, what stitches us together is not our ethnicity, is not our numbers, or is not our backgrounds. or It's not anything like that. It's actually faith. It's actually in the middle of that walk where you can find similarities. As a matter of fact, faith is our DNA. It's what actually stitches us together. I said this earlier, and I'm like, I love this picture, but if I can be so bold to paint this picture, God is stitching this tapestry together of all these people who are walking together. And this is what God has been building since the beginning of time since Adam and Eve. He's been wanting to build a family. First Peter says he's a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. It's been since the beginning. 
This is a story God has been wanting. The greatest story that God wants to tell is that he is a father and the rest of his kids are family. With that said, I really do feel like God is asking him to give us more, to give him more space. More space to work. If you give him more space to work, it's the more space he's able to build a house. Each of us are significant and each of us has, has a role to play in building a home. In building this thing. Every area of your life is absolutely significant. We need to erase the line between what is secular and what is sacred and what is church stuff and what is my regular life stuff. We need to learn to erase that. Because the more space, the, the greater the cavity God, that you allow for God to have, the more he'll fill. Like, he wants to do so much. Can you picture this? God's dream is your dream, right? So as you're walking, the line that I was that I was saying in first service was, God needs more real estate to work in. He really does. As you're walking, you need to create bigger spaces. There's areas in your life that you may be a little bit, little bit too comfortable in, and sometimes He'll be gracious enough to actually nudge you in that new area where you actually feel a little bit uncomfortable. Bill Johnson says this. He says, the reason why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter is because God will violate your comfort. It's just the nature of God. And the reason God is willing to violate your comfort is because on the other side of it is destiny. Some of us need to give him brand new space for him to work. I actually feel that this morning to lay down unbelief, the self-fulfilling prophecy, and to actually have faith because it actually is worth something. Then you have something to throw at Jesus' feet. God, I'll give you this. And the moment you allow for that space, the moment he comes in. Someone just told me this first service, how do we do that? Or how do we know God's gonna feel that? It's like, brother, it's like holding back a floodgate with his water. And the moment you let that creak, it's like, he'll, he will take any space you give him. And the reason why God wants you to, to dream and, and, and actually walk in faith is because he's building your story, but also building his. I spoke about this a little bit similarly last time. more real estate in your heart. I'm going to read this and we can go ahead and stand if that's all right. As we pray and close up. mystery and uncertainty collide 
this is the place of faith. Mystery brings about vulnerability and vulnerability brings about intimacy and intimacy is ultimately family. This is the journey of faith that unites us. In Ephesians 2, it says that he included you, but this is not a mere inclusion. This is an invitation to dream. This is an invitation to believe in faith to where God has you going next. Father, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. God, there are different categories of people in this room. People who initially just need to believe in you for certain areas of their life, in their life. Other people who just need to create more space for you to take up. And some people who just need to reject unbelief altogether and actually choose to believe you for your word. Father, but whatever the case may be, I pray that you infuse and you stir the faith in the room for this next season. Father, irrespective of backgrounds and irrespective of who it is, Jesus, I pray right now that you give supernatural courage and faith to believe that you're doing a mighty work in their life. Father, we rebuke and we reject unbelief. And we say, you can take no hold in our minds and in our hearts. For Christ resides there. Jesus, give us the vision and the courage to build this home. God is building a house. And sometimes it's much bigger than we think. And so God, help us to erase our own boundaries of what we think that is. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.